Disclaimer. The following podcast contains explicit language and adult content. The content may offend some listeners. Relax and don't be a hater. Hello. Welcome to a walk in the park podcast. (laughs) This is Riss. And this is Babs. And in our podcast, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of wine, cake, laughter, friendship, success, families, fun, the extraordinary. We're happy you're listening. I can't stop laughing. <laughs> I love it. Let's just get this walk started, baby. Woo-woo. Progress. Life is in progress. Hello, Riz. How are you today? Fine. How are you? Uh, that would take longer than we have in this podcast episode to go into, frankly. Uh, we'll have to do some of that offline. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, but as I was just telling Riz, this is just a quick little side, like where my mental head is at. Jonathan and I were just out appliance shopping or appliance information gathering, I should say. And Jonathan had found this kind of, you know, local appliance store Hmm. place um, that we went and checked out. And then of course, on the drive home, I was doing my online research and sadly, but not unexpectedly, you know, you try to support a small business, small local business, and you're going to end up paying a lot more money than if you just go through Lowe's, for example. Well, it depends. Well, for this one, definitely, because like the washer dryer we were looking at, each one is $300 more expensive at this place. We want to put in a cooktop induction stove, and that was like eight or $900 more expensive. And then the refrigerator we were looking at was like $1,200 more expensive. And it's the exact same models because I took pictures of the model numbers and just, you know, looked them up on Lowe's and wow. Yeah. Anywho, enough about that. That's, that's, you know, that's just the little intro, but I know you've been going through similar dryer issues. Did you find one? Not only did we find one, but we bought a full new set. Okay. But that was a whole situation because they couldn't hook it up. The dryer in particular because it was an older um, gas line. Oh. So they were like, yeah, we, do you have to call the gas company? And Chris is like, just give me the part. Just give me the part. So he's like, well, we have this, but you're going to need this. So he's like, fine. So he goes to Home Depot and the woman that he spoke to was like, no, you can't use that. You can't use, he's like, I'm telling you now, this is what they told me to use. Right. What, what she wanted uh, to to give him and it was wrong so he went back and he took pictures of everything just to be able to show her and she was like oh <laughs> yeah man I know messing everything, with- bought something and he was able to hook it up but yeah yeah messing with gas is not something you want to do no for sure like yeah you don't want to get that wrong <laughs> right exactly but anywho, yes, okay. So switching into official podcast mode now, I, I Babs, want to share what's currently on my mind, which of course is, I'm going to say just, you know, a current 
issue, concern, et cetera, out there in the world. And the reason I'm talking about this today is, you know, I power up my iPad in the morning. It gives me these notifications. I swear, even though I don't have the Apple News app downloaded on my iPad, I guess the fact that it's an Apple product just overrides it. And so, you know, I get this article title that pops up and it's about um, office space because since the pandemic, there's been a lot higher office space vacancy, like even higher than back in the global recession of 2008 to 2010. And so I have these thoughts to share. Okay. As more and more employees clamor for continued remote work, unhappy to return to their traditional office jobs, or companies decide that office space is too expensive for their bottom lines, many people may not be thinking through the broader ramifications of empty office space. Banks hold more than a trillion dollars in outstanding office loan debt. Companies don't renew their leases and landlords won't be able to pay their mortgages. We could see more bank failures. Small businesses depend on office workers to be physically present to spend money. And of course, cities collect property taxes from businesses who have office occupancy in their cities. The phrase urban doom loop is being bandied about. With less money in cities, they will start to feel the loss of revenue. Other city services and programs for residents could suffer. Things get worse. Crime typically increases. Public transit is suffering because people aren't commuting. At a time when the climate crisis needs us to focus on bolstering public transit for more than just work commutes, but leisure as well, this is a concern. On the flip side, as the demand for office space decreases, maybe the buildings could be repurposed to things like affordable housing. I've also read about the idea that office space can be converted into laboratory space. And we can definitely use more scientists in this country to be working on the big problems we are facing, future pandemic risks being one among many. We need people to understand the complexities of this situation. And if you want to learn more about this, I recommend doing a simple Google search like I did, how office space will be a problem. Ah, it's funny. I know, I know. So it's crazy, right? Um, but yes, as all this office space is sitting vacant, it people don't necessarily think of it as a problem, but... The first thing I thought of was hospital space during COVID. Before that was like the when oh. I was like no one was going to work, and I was like some of the and these buildings were staying empty, and I'm like, why don't they move the COVID victims into this these spaces, be, and keep them from the general population so it doesn't spread? I mean, I remember when China was putting up all these buildings in record time just to keep the COVID people away from the general population. And I thought, well, we could easily do that. We have the space now because we have buildings that are sitting empty. But no Except one they're not really set up for medical care, right? Like They're not, but you can make it that way. That way you could. Yeah. So you could actually, if you were worried about future pandemics, you could look at possibly converting empty office space near hospitals that would be dedicated just for that. Like if we have another outbreak or people need to be quarantined, like we have this dedicated facility. Right, right, absolutely. Even converting it to laboratories, I mean, you know, laboratory needs are much different than office needs, but it's still, it's like this empty space. And are you just gonna let it sit there or are you going to try to make use of it. And 
I don't know, because, you know, they said even pre-pandemic, the demand for remote work was affecting office space needs as well. And also just the general worker mentality of, you know, I don't want to go work in a cubicle or, um, I mean, I remember Jonathan's last office that he had to go to because he's worked remote now for a number of years. It was totally crazy. I mean, he was CTO of that company and he literally sat at like a long table with like people sitting across from him and next to him. He didn't even have an office with a door. And I'm like, this That's is weird. so weird. Yeah. Yeah. But then I often think that the other flip side of it, everything you mentioned in that article is, is that absolutely true? 100? Oh, that was all original writing by me, by the yeah. way. Oh, that was that wasn't an article I was reading. I I read articles, and all of that is was my original content. Wow, that's impressive. Thank you. Very impressive. Um, my concern, you know, if if people aren't commuting, though, that's a lot. Isn't that like less carbon footprint? Yeah, yeah. So if people aren't getting in, that's what I'm saying. It's so all connected. If people aren't getting in their cars to commute then that would be less emissions, right? Right. But ideally, when people commute, the goal was to never have them drive their cars. The goal was to have public transit infrastructure so that you'd get on the train or the metro. And that way, that's true. yeah. So, but now if people aren't using public transit, then it's not going to get the budget dollars to keep expanding it. Right. And so then we end up in a situation where, well, we can't get cars off the road because there aren't any other options. But yeah, that's just like, I mean, everything is so interconnected or connected. Um, But they are predicting that we haven't seen the worst of it yet because like people are in leases that maybe they're not paying for. And then when it comes time to renew the leases, they're not going to renew them. So the negative impact of this they think is coming in the next couple of years. And of course we're like teetering on a recession, right? Because of inflation and interest rates. And, but I really feel for the small businesses. I mean, because this was this, we saw this during the pandemic too, when people weren't going into offices, like restaurants, small businesses that depend on that foot traffic from people who work in the area. Yeah. It's the same thing happening now. Um, it's not as bad as the pandemic, of course, because some people are still going into offices, but yeah, it's like small businesses. Um, and then the crazy thing, so this is a little bit related to the topic, but I was reading how San Francisco is becoming like scary oh, this yeah. with hotels and hotel occupancy falling way down. They're like not recovering. And they're like, it's because like some of it's the tech industry, right? Because the tech industry is kind of changing its philosophy. So maybe they're not holding as many conferences, but they're like, they're not doing it in San Francisco because the city is just becoming so sketchy. Right. (laughs) So I thought that was surprising. Um, Because when you think of sketchy cities, frankly, you think more, I mean, I think more like New York City. (laughs) Um, I don't think, I never thought of San Francisco is like a particularly crime riddled or problematic city, but, but oh, yeah, so, yeah. You know. I have a 
friend that lives right outside of San Fran and they, she never goes. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to be in the San Francisco area next month and I'm thinking like, gosh, yeah, maybe I don't want to go into the city. Well, just maybe do a little research. That's all. A little, a little recon. Yeah. Yep. I know. Well, is there anything out in the world that's currently on your mind? Uh, you know, I, to be fair, I, I haven't really spent a lot of time, um, watching the news except for like local news or whatever. Um, at, to be, I, I, I failed at this portion of the podcast because I really have been all consuming, uh, in my life, trying to get August past his graduation and then throwing him a party. And now I'm on the visa process and, getting all my my itinerary together for his trip and, and where we go at the end of August so really haven't been and you know just just working and trying to get my and trying to get my back better because I've we had a herniated disc so I'm trying to heal from that and I'm doing okay but you know I'm still not there yet so yeah that was when I say all consuming those have been my top priorities outside the greater world not really thinking about this my m- micro world <laughs> I have been so that has been the utmost importance of my life right now so all right fair enough <laughs> well during this time of you know inner reflection and healing is there anything you've been consuming that might be of interest to our our listeners whether it's food, wine. Oh, I just came across, uh, gonna, as a matter of fact, I was going to pop one open right now during the podcast. (laughs) A friend of mine turned me on to something called high noon. Have you ever heard of a high noon? I have. And I will say I don't enjoy it. And I think we probably talked about this maybe in the past year or two, but please continue. It's, they, a, it's a seltzer drink, and I think it's one of the inferior ones. My personal. Oh, see, I'm. Uh, I don't think it's. A, I don't actually. I should. I have them downstairs, but. Um, they, but anyway, the point is, you like this drink. I like this drink because it's made. This one is in particular is made with vodka, and the one that I picked up by accident is made. Well, I picked up both, but I picked up one made of tequila. So oh, okay. Well, I haven't heard of the tequila ones, but yeah, it says high noon is a hard seltzer drink. Okay. So yeah, it's, uh, I I've had it before it's refreshing and it's going to be refreshing because it, the real feel tonight is, uh, or today is going to be like 97 degrees here in Georgia. What? Yeah. And I have a 50th birthday party to go to in a little while. So I'm headed over there and we're going to be outside all night. So, um, yeah, I wanted something light and refreshing as opposed to uh, beer or anything like, or wine. So Interesting. I'm looking, I a whole bunch of different rosés. I can report back on those because I don't have the names, but they, I've had, I've picked up some good ones recently, uh, especially from Costco. Do you, your Costco has a, a wine section, right? It does. Yeah. Do you, you, you're not particularly into rosé though. Not really. I mean, I'll drink them, but I don't usually seek them out. Okay. I will say. Um, But, you know, it's funny. I have thought about you because, you know, over the years I've said, I feel like you should do like a, you should have like a dedicated wine 
section in our podcast, which would fit in nicely with currently consuming because it's yeah. literal. literal. I don't know if I ever told you the Saturday Wall Street Journal. I guess it's the Saturday one. That's when we get it delivered, but I don't, it might be the weekend edition. They might just deliver it on Saturday. There's like a wine column in there. It's so interesting. Oh, I know. I would pull them aside. I'm like, I've got to read all these and report back to Riss. So, so I was thinking, I was like, yeah, really, you need a dedicated wine part of the podcast, or you need to do, you know, a winnie sode, a winey sode. A winey sode. Although I will say this have you had, have we had this before? I can't remember if we have it or not. Do you, you remember how our friend Jojo really like how makes her margaritas with the Trader Joe's margarita mix? Yeah. And they discontinued it. Like we can't find it. Okay. So now they're selling something called, it's just Trader Joe's spicy limeade. Okay. So you know what, what I, I mix that with a little bit of regular club soda, like um, La Croix club soda uh-huh. and uh, then the lime and vodka. And that's really good. That's what I was going to drink tonight, but then I just decided to stick with high noons. Okay. So you're not using that in lieu of margarita mix. You're not using it to make margaritas. You're using it to make a fancy little vodka drink. Yes. How spicy is it? Not spicy at all. They just call it, but it it is limeade. It's really good. I think I've seen that at Trader Joe's actually, now that you mention it, although I didn't remember the spicy part. Go ahead and pick some up. You'll be pleasantly surprised. I know. Well, we'll see. I probably literally won't make it to Trader Joe's for the next five weeks because I fly out of town next Friday. And then for the following month, I think I'm home like four days of that month. So So we're telling our listeners, I'm telling them, try a high noon. Yeah. Or the tequila one. Yeah. Another one I'm going to be fair. I don't know about it because I didn't see it. And I had to, it's funny enough. I had to go to the vodka part of part of the store to buy it. I thought the it would cocktail. be, yeah. I thought this high noon stuff would be, yeah, in with just the like with a beer or something. Yes, yeah. it was not. It was in the vodka section. You know, I will say, having only been to my Costco here by me once for my epic like five hundred dollar shopping trip with Vivian. I didn't see spirits at mine and we don't oh. have like, I didn't see like a separate little section, so oh. to speak, like oh, that's have in Georgia. I, I might have to investigate further. Vivian and I were very overwhelmed by the whole experience. So once we checked out, I wasn't looking for anything else, but. Okay. So yeah. So we're going to ask our listeners to try the high noon and we're also going to ask them to make the cocktail with the limeade. Yes. All right. So it's the spice- Trader Joe's spicy limeade drink from Trader Joe's mm-hmm. vodka, but then you said you put in some La Croix? Yeah. Okay. And which flavor? Uh, I usually use the, like the lemon lime or lemon or lime. Okay. Lemon, I like the limoncello too. There. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, my currently consuming share is I'm listening to Finding Me, a memoir by Viola Davis, and it is an intense listen. Uh, For anyone who doesn't know who Viola Davis is, she is a critically acclaimed actress and producer, and she is one of 18 people in history to be an EGOT winner. That is Emmy for Tony. She won an Emmy for her role as Annalise Keating in How to Get Away with Murder. 
She won a Grammy for this book, Best Audiobook Narration and Storytelling Recording. She won an Oscar for her role as Rosalie Maxson in Fences, which was a 2016 movie with Denzel Washington. And she won a Tony for that same uh, role on Broadway. And she won another Tony for a Broadway play. Uh, this book talks about her life, of course, and the heartbreaking childhood she had of poverty, abuse, and cruelty, and it is remarkable what she has survived. Hmm. I'm now at the part where she is starting her career and finds herself pregnant by a crappy boyfriend whom she broke up with. Huh. So, um, the first part of it, honestly, her childhood and her sharing, you know, what she had to live through and what happened to her, I was just like, it is a miracle, you know, that she survived this. I mean, sadly, she is one of, you know, probably tens and tens of thousands of people in this country, more if you go over a longer time span, who just, who grew up this way. And it's just, yeah. So I listened to the first part of it really quickly. And then I kind of had to take a break from it to decompress and and read some some other things. Um, But yes, so that. Oh, well, I've been reading, wait, I have to grab the book. Hold on one second. Oh, yes, please do grab books. I know I love books. I have a massive book project in the works right now. I listen to a podcast called What Should I Read Next? And they have a spreadsheet that shares every book that's been talked about on their podcast. It's um, three books you love, one book you don't, and then what you're reading lately. Um, The spreadsheet, though, is the three guest loves, the one guest hate, and then the podcast host and Bogle's recommendations. So there's typically about seven books, 300 episodes, and I have updated the spreadsheet to reflect um, whether I've read those books, what my rating were, and if I would add them to my to-be-read list, which means I looked up every book on Goodreads, read the summary to decide whether to add it to my TBR. So this is like a thousands of book book project that I've been working on since last October, it's all like with the goal of the Library of Alexander. Correct. All with the goal of submitting an application to be on this podcast, which <laughs> I've not done yet. Because one time I looked and they had their application online, and maybe I've got to try a different browser because the interface was just a little weird. Um, it's like when you were typing, it would just go all across the screen in the box and it wouldn't like return. And so you'd start typing, but then you couldn't see everything you've written. Right. And I'm like, well, I need to see what I'm writing and then I need to be able to go back and review it. Right. So if I can't figure out the application glitch, I'll say online, then I'm going to have to like find a way to reach out to them and say, I really want to apply. How do I submit my application? <laughs> but tell us about your book. All right. So back, let me back up. I have a friend at work who is literally the only other person I've ever met that if I stuck you two in a room, it would be like the two two bookworm type people who are like, like could talk for hours about it. Cause she- We'd burrow so deep, you'd never see us again. I know. Cause she has quite the collection of books as well. Cause we were talking. Okay. Oh, well, I want to run to the library this week and I haven't been to our library because she lives right down the road and we work together. And I said, but I haven't been to the library because we, our library had a big flood. Right. And the renovations. Yeah. And blah, blah, blah. So it's just back to being open. I'm like, I have to get over there. And she was like, oh, 
don't worry about it. I have a library at home. What do you what do you like to read? And I just died because I'm like like hanging out with Babs because this woman. I need to know her. I can live next door to Babs and never run out of books. Like yeah. I could go to the yeah. of Alexander. That's right. So she recommended something called uh, a book called The Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Dave. Read it. Okay, but here's the thing. I just had gotten done with The Marriage Lie by Kimberly Bell. Okay. And the thing is, I said to her, listen, I th- I wonder, I wonder if they're, they're not going to be anything alike in, unless it's just the same premise. The premise that you think you know somebody and something happens to them and now you're in the process of trying to figure out who they are. That is the same premise. Right. So I'm like, all right, she gave me the last thing he told me. And mm-hmm. I'm looking for the marriage lie. But the reason why I like the marriage lie is because it takes place here in Atlanta. So Okay, yeah. I've not read that book. Yeah, it's it's cool because I like books that take place in places you know a lot about. Because then it's Fair. like you're reading someplace, they, they mention something and you're like, oh, I've been there. Awesome. So it's just like, it feels like home and you know where they are. And so, yeah, that was, that's, that's been what I've been reading. So I'm going to try and get through it this week so I can give it back to her and then also give her the marriage lie and see if she likes it. Right. Well, I would say the last thing he told me was a four-star read for me. I did read it very quickly. Um but it was definitely four stars. Like I have a very intricate, well, not intricate, but I have a more in-depth rating system because I'm like some four-star reads for me are better than others. But this one was a solid four. Like some of my reads, I'm like, "Mm, if I look at that more closely, it's a 4.5 or 4.75. But yeah, this one was good, but I'll be curious to hear what you think about reading books with Basically, it sounds like identical premises, right? You know, kind of back to back, right? So, um, yeah. So interesting, interesting. Um, also interesting is we haven't heard anything from you know our our other our MB's corner. I figured I'd see him pop in here um, to join us on the podcast, but he. He is not here, as far as I can I tell. If he's working. Well, we did talk about that, right? Because we put it on the schedule, right? But, you, not, we, but his schedule changes week to week. No, However, no. I know, but remember, we just we um, said we gave him the date. I'm yeah. around next weekend. He said, "Me too." So yeah, maybe I'm going to assume that's what that is. But he never circled back and. Right. So anywho, well, we just won't have that portion of the podcast now. Um, so you and I then can talk about the French Open. But which for listeners who don't know about tennis or don't care, Novak Djokovic now holds the men's singles title record, Grand Slam title record, passing Nadal, breaking the tie with Nadal by love it, winning at the French Open. That's just like quintessential that he would pass Nadal winning at the French Open. Because of course Nadal can play because unlike Novak, he hasn't kept himself in amazing shape that he can play at such an old age. But I will say this for people who are like, oh, blah, 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 you know, 
Uh, well, Nadal wasn't there. Well, when Nadal won his Australian Open, which put him at 22, Novak wasn't there. So you can only play the people who show up. If Novak had been at that Australian Open, I doubt Nadal would have won. And honestly, though, if Nadal had been at this French Open with the condition he's in, I'm not sure he would have won it. And did you see what happened to Alcaraz in the semifinal against Djokovic? Do you remember that? I didn't see it. I didn't. Oh. I know what happened to him, but I didn't see it. And I don't really even still know what the injury really is. Oh, it was lack of conditioning. It wasn't an injury. He just literally couldn't play that long at that level in the heat. It was I, warm. It was warm that day in Paris. It was like given degrees. That so I don't know. That's what they said, but I don't. So oh, that's totally what it was. He's not injured. He literally just cramped and couldn't recover. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, he was, in, he was looked at by the medical trainer. They, there is, there was no injury. So, but yeah, that's just also, you know, he would have been a favorite to win, you know, this 20 year old kid who should be in good shape, who has a history of cramping problems. He cramped at an indoor tournament in Miami. He cramped at another outdoor tournament all within like the last year. And I'm thinking, man, your team is not doing right by you that you haven't figured this out. Like, first of all, who cramps at an indoor tournament? He's I mean, it's like, he can't, pay, he can't play past two and a half hours. At two and a half hours, he cramps. Yeah, but this seems to be a theme because this has happened to him before. No, that's, that's literally what I just said. So it's, but this is, it's a fixable problem. I mean- when you know what happens to you, then there are things you can do, you know, to better ensure it doesn't happen to you. Correct. <clears throat> yeah. But that's just an example of how you're never going to see probably anyone else in men's tennis in our lifetimes get to even 20 Grand Slam titles. Like Novak Nadal and Federer will probably hold the Grand Slam titles for decades to come. Probably. Look at Alcaraz at age 20. I mean, he won one U.S. Open, which again, fair play to him, but Novak wasn't there. So it'll just be interesting to see when Novak and Nadal, I mean, Nadal is essentially retired, but after Novak retires, it'll be interesting to see if any of the current players can like string together a bunch of majors, you know? Right. Right. It just... It's hard to see who that will be, but. Should be interesting. And it's a good time to watch tennis because there are so many players out there who are all struggling for even just one win, one grand slam. Right. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting. I was glad to see Zverev come back. Um, He didn't make it all the way through. I was shocked that what's it made it deep. He made it deep considering. Then Medvedev got knocked down in the first round, but he's not a clay player to be not a clay player. Yeah. But he was so. doing good in all the other tournaments up until then. Yeah. yeah. Although I'm so confused. So was everything in your life just so overwhelming? Cause usually you watch tennis. Yeah. But don't forget, I got to work three days a week now and I don't and want, don't, and you don't record it. No, I'll just watch whatever replay is playing at night. Uh, okay. In August we'll just all, he'll say, Oh, I know who wins. And I'll be like, really? <laughs> yeah. So Ugh. yeah, I general I did watch a lot of it, but I just on those three days is not I wasn't watching it at all. Yeah, we got to change your 
tennis watching philosophy because I record everything that way I can pick and choose what I want to watch since you know my time is also limited it's not like I can just sit there and watch a tennis match that doesn't interest me right well I think you've reached that stage of your life as well I I have I have indeed (laughs) all right so anyway you kind of alluded to it at the top of the podcast you've had a lot going on but the summary is your son is a high school graduate you've thrown his party it's official now you're just launching him to Rome in basically a couple months yep so (laughs) you have his passport you're working on his visa and do you have your flights yet that's always my burning question no I haven't but they've been going up down so Marissa, that yes of course they're going to go up and down and, uh, we're going to get flights it's not like we're not going to make it but it's just there's been other consuming stuff for Chris so we've been talking about it 24 7 for the last three or four days because they did come down considerably so now we just you should snatch it because remember if you then found something cheaper and so like for example I told you this happened to me earlier in New York I booked these tickets you know, New York, whatever, Sarasota to New York, New York to Atlanta, Atlanta back home. And then I went to change the date. And with Delta, at least, I don't have to pay a change fee. Um, And my flight, I was only going to switch it if it didn't cost more money and it cost much less. So if I don't know if you're buying a ticket that allows you to make changes without a change fee, but you can keep watching the prices. And then if the price goes down, you know, Oh, yeah. You could take advantage of that. Or if you see a flight that's like, you know, like, oh, this is a different time and now it's a better price, then you can switch it. Right. But I I don't know. My concern is, and I don't know that you really care about this, but, you know, you're trying to fly three people over. You want to get three seats together, ideally, right? Yeah. And then that starts getting a little bit dicier. Maybe the longer you wait. Because it's like, well, or they only have middle seats left. I mean, like you said, I guess if you have flexibility on the dates you can fly, like if you can keep just backing it up and flying earlier, if you can't get the flight you want, but. Well, I, I, I feel like our flights will be booked between today and tomorrow. Well, you know me, I'm such a flyer. It's like, I have so many flights booked right now and I have so many more to book that it makes my head want to explode. Right, right. Um, so I'm just saying, I, I mean, I feel your, I feel your pain, Yeah. Um, but like I, yeah, to book a flight from San Francisco to San Diego. Cause I booked, I always have my flight out to California. I booked my flight from Los Angeles to San Francisco, but then I have to go back to San Diego to get Vivian. And on Delta, I can't fly direct from San Francisco to San Diego, which I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, that's outrageous. I'm like, am I going to fly a different airline? And uh, so I booked my, you know, one-way ticket, but I've got to book that. I have to book flights to Vancouver, which I have been delaying and delaying doing because I'm trying to decide, do I want to just fly into Seattle, rent a car and drive into Canada because I'm going to need a car in Canada. And that might make it easier on me to use some of my like upgrade certificates and stuff to get out to the West coast for my actual 50th birthday. But then I have to get permission from the rental car manager to drive the car into Canada, I guess. Oh my God. 
but that's a whole nother layer of complexity because I'd like show up at the border and they'd be like, you know, whatever, checking me out. Do you have permission to bring this car into Canada? Nope. <laughs> My other issue was that I was waiting to find out when August can come home because to apply for the visa, we lit. I'm glad I didn't buy the flights because we found out that he, we have to show his flights and he has to have a return ticket because what I was going to do is get him a one way and then get him a round trip back and forth from Rome, but they need to see his round trip. I don't trip. even think you can book a ticket that far out. Well, yeah, it'll be in December. So I don't think that's- Oh, that. oh, December. Okay, I thought you were talking about like the end of his program. Because No, like, no, no. He needs his round trip there and back home again. So it's going to be, you know, August when we leave and then his is coming back in December. Right, which- it just seems weird to me because then he's going to have another ticket back from December to whenever. Right. But I don't know. That just seems odd to me that they have that requirement. But I guess they're like, you can't stay here forever. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, but yeah. Well, and I know you have certain travel sites you use, right? Because if I'm right. price shopping flights, which I, or airline shopping flights, I should say, which I don't do regularly since I'm a Delta loyalist I just use Expedia right right um but yeah so you have to do two separate reservations because you need your return in August and then you need to book him on the same flight going out as you but coming back a different flight so he'll be on a different reservation oh I'm gonna I think what I'm gonna do is tomorrow I'm just gonna call Delta directly and have them do it all because I can't I I mean I could probably I thought you're gonna do Alitalia uh, no, no actually, the, the flights on Delta have come down considerably. Okay. And so I think there's some on, I, the, here's the thing. I'd rather, I'm such a, listen, I'd rather spend the extra money and get a nonstop flight. I can okay. Fly. Yeah. It'll yeah. obviously be cheaper if you do connections, but. Right. But I really don't want to do connections. I'll do a connection on the way home for myself, but I really don't, I don't, I'd rather us all go straight there. When gotcha. We yeah, then I agree. I would just call Delta because they can, if you're, yeah, especially when you're looking to do like, I want my kid to be on the same flight as me going out, but different, like it's much better to do it on phone because if you try to do it online, then it's like, you know, you've got to have, like Jonathan and I have done stuff where we've, you had to have two people working on it at the same time to ensure you're on the same flights with the right. same seat. At the, right. And sometimes the price would change because you have right. somebody looking at it and then it's right. like, but um, yeah, okay, well, yeah, so that'd be cool if you can get like a nonstop flight out and then, you know, yeah, like you said, get, <sighs> all right, well, good luck with that. I, I'm going to have to, I thought I was going to get to it today, but now I'm too burnt out from my, uh, my daily efforts <laughs> with appliance research and Oh, it's a long day and it's like it's too much because then it's like I you know and then I heard from this guy who was who was trying to fix my dryer he's like it doesn't matter what you buy nothing lasts more to five seven years and I was like that's depressing <laughs> well you know the appliances I'm looking at have the little 10-year warranty sticker on them better so. I mean come on for the money you're spending I know I know. Yeah. Although of the appliances I'm looking at, the washer and dryer are by far the cheapest, like yeah. washer and dryer together. I can get for cheaper than the refrigerator or the stovetop induction stovetop, which actually is more expensive than I thought. 
Yeah, because then you need to you need special pots and pans for that. No, 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 uh-uh. no. It's just the thing. It's just the technology itself. No, you can use all your same pots. You don't need special pots. But I'm just saying, like the stovetop itself is anywhere between like two thousand and twenty eight hundred dollars for the stovetop. Yeah. But I thought I didn't think it would be quite that expensive. I guess I thought it would be more in like maybe the fifteen hundred dollar range. Um, so that stuff is pricey, but everybody I know that has one loves it. And we're just kind of sick of our gas stovetop range. And it does feed into my whole, like, I'm trying to do my very small part to help with climate stuff. And it would be much better if everybody could convert their gas appliances to electric. And if we could all put solar panels on our house, which of course now and next year is the time to do that because with the infrastructure bill, you can actually get like rebates and right. a lot of money off because the government realizes it's important. Like this is the type of stuff we should be supporting. And our the president of our neighborhood here who lives up the street from us, he got um, solar panels put on his house like last month. So I might just ping him and be like, hey, who are your people? Although I took a picture of the truck in front of his yard, but <laughs> I don't know. You know, I have all the, I made this homeless project and Jonathan looked at me. He's like, are you thinking we're doing all of that this year? I was like, no. I'm like, we need to put in an entire new irrigation system. We need to put solar oh my God. on the house. I'm like, we, we need an induction stove top. We need a new dryer. We need to redo the laundry room. Yeah, I have a whole list of of projects. So it's never ending. It's never I ending. I know. I know. Although I I will say, out of all the houses I've lived in, I love this one the most. So oh, it's good. it's less painful for me to spend money on it. And people are always like, "Oh, you're gonna move," but that's our plan is not to ever sell this house. It's just our dream is to eventually become, you know, double to have two homes. Right. Right. So, but there's no reason for us to sell this house. We love it here. And, um, it's like set up for old people, you know? So if we <laughs> lived in this house for 25 years, I mean, it has a master on the main, it has a walk-in shower. It's just very, yeah, that's it's true. very accessible for old people, which, you know, my in-laws were dealing with some situations where it's once again, just very apparent how they live in such an impractical home. Like right. old people shouldn't live in houses with stairs basically. So yeah. I don't know, I think Jonathan and I have bought a house that we could live in, you know, permanently if need be. And I would like to live here permanently at least part of the year, but I do need my I do need to make enough money to afford my, you know, 15,000 square foot home for my museum, my person, my personal life museum, which, you know, if I die soon, because I have pancreatic cancer, the museum won't have to be as big. Not have that. And by the way, you do, do you want to talk about that or no? Well, I mean, I don't have anything else to share right now, except I did have my appointment with a gastroenterologist yesterday, which is just like an intake appointment, but he put me, he gave me a medicine, which is just to reduce stomach acid, not 
you know, whatever. And so, but I am scheduled for a double, an endoscopy, colonoscopy. He's like, we can do it at the same time. Well, he said that way we only have to put you under once. And he's like, you know, the colonoscopy takes like 20 minutes. He's like the endoscopy takes like 10 to 15. He's like, so, you know, I was like, okay, sure. Do it all at once. I mean, I told you my gradual thing is I either have an ulcer, yep, gallstones, or pancreatic cancer. So the endoscopy will rule out ulcer. That's the the first two. Will it rule out gallstones? Because the gallstones get stuck somewhere else. I don't think an endoscopy would rule out gallstones. No, I think you're right. I think you'd need if I mean when I told him he didn't even like say gallstones. So. I think they think it's like an acid reflex stomach. I think so too. But I'm just like, but it just came out of the blue. Like, I just don't think things should come out of the blue. I feel well, like there should be gradual buildup. Yeah. Know? Like, I mean, and then of course, I could die of skin cancer first. Did I tell you about my chemotherapy cream? Oh my God. I know it's a lot, Marissa. It's a lot. <laughs> Being, turning 50 is hard for me. You did it wonderfully, gracefully. <laughs> having problems. I didn't even know I turned 50 until I turned 50. <laughs> you no, I'm counting the days. days. I'm counting the days. No, I'm kidding. I'm not counting the days, but it is coming up. So it's like basically in three months. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm just going through my system. So after this, I'm going to get a neurology referral, which I will say I am legitimately doing because I just got some family medical history oh. um, that is concerning and enough that I want to consult a neurologist, possibly get tested for this genetic slash hereditary disease and know if I need to be like making any significant lifestyle changes. Oh, well, I mean, I don't know what else you could possibly do. It's not like you're. I know. Hello. Well, they take all the joy out of my life. They'd be like, no coffee, no alcohol. That is screw it. I don't know. (laughs) Well, some of this genetic hereditary stuff is, (laughs) I'm not sure what you could do, but maybe there would be certain medicines you could take or something, or, you know, they could just be at least on the lookout for stuff like monitoring you. So that if something went awry, although if I started needing like MRIs or things where you're like shut in a tube for an extended period of time, they'd have to knock me out to do that. Right. They'd have to drug me because I couldn't handle it. Hey, look at me. How off the press? I just got a really weird text. Okay. Hi, Marissa. We're looking for Dems in Roswell to run for local office. Would you like info on how to run? Yes, you would. Quick, yes. Come on, it's so funny. I love it. Do it, do it, do it. No, I'm not doing it. You're just getting information. Say yes, say yes. And then you can report back. Nobody can force you to run. That's true. Nobody can force you to do anything. Well, what if I'm not, you know what? I can mess with them. What if I'm, what if I'm not a Democrat? What if I'm, what if I'm not, I don't know. I could just make it. Marissa, just be a Democrat. Come on now. Come on. 
You need to distance yourself from the party of criminals and, you know, ridiculous people who cause their companies to lose $800 billion defamation suits. I'm not saying you can't switch, you know, if the Republican Party ever act together, but be a Democrat for now. Just be a white hat. Okay. I just put myself into the ring of learning. What learning. That's all you need to do. Learning. Report back. Life learning. Yes. You let's report back on this. Meanwhile, listeners, that's a good segue. We're going to talk about private stuff that you don't get to know about. So bye <laughs> for now. Bye for now. <laughs>